Welcome back, Saturday show here on the Zone Sports Network. Get you back to some NFL coverage here as Frank Schwab joined Scott, excuse me, Scott Gerard earlier in the week. I believe it was yesterday. Uh, right now, you've got the Buffalo Bills up seven zero on the Houston Texans, um, and uh, about three minutes left in the first quarter. And that one, and uh, Frank's very good at uh, all football coverage in general. And uh, here is his conversation with Scotty G as uh, they talked about uh, what's going to happen today and tomorrow in the National Football League. Seven five twelve eighty the zone and the zone sports network hands Olson Scott Gerard hands is off today. In fact, color analyst for the mighty potato bowl on the national broadcast right now, where Ohio taking on Nevada. Um, and uh, hands is doing the color commentary for that game. So wish him well joining us now from uh, again, NFL writer for Yahoo sports. It is Frank Schwab. One of our favorites right here on the zone sports network. Frank, how you doing, man? Hey, what's going on? Uh, you know what? Just getting ready for some playoffs, and it's kind of the fun time of year too because you got, uh, you know, like I always love the NFL playoffs. It's my favorite thing to break down and watch. But this year just feels a little special because you got you got Breeze and uh, you got uh, Tom Brady, but then you've got the young blood and the young guns coming up through the ranks. There's just a lot of great storylines in this year's playoffs. Yeah, I mean, usually we get teams that you know, or get the quarterback coach right before the playoffs or just somehow sneak into the playoffs and are not that good. I think this year we have 12 good teams and 12 good quarterbacks. It's, you know, I mean, the you know, various uh, ends of the scale. I'm not saying Josh Allen's on the same tier as Lamar Jackson, but all 12 guys are capable, all 12 teams, I think, are capable of making a run. Maybe not Philly, but, hey, they, they still have that championship pedigree. So I think that this is a, this is a pretty good field. And, you know, no matter what – how you match up these teams, really, you take any matchup you could possibly have, it's going to be pretty good. It makes for an interesting playoffs. You know, I, I do Utah State games, so I saw Josh Allen up close and in person a couple times. Mm-hmm. You you surprised at the success he's having early in his career? No, you could, you could tell why NFL teams liked him. I mean, physically, he's just imposing. I mean, he's he does everything well. He throws the ball while he's a big dude. Obviously, he's a better runner than we, we saw in Wyoming. And, you know, I mean, it's he, he he's progressed really well. I'm impressed with that. I didn't personally think he was going to make it big in the NFL because of his accuracy issues. And we'll still see. I mean, anybody who watched that Patriots game the Saturday night in Week 16 saw him miss a few throws. That's that's what he can't have happen in these playoffs. He can't have it happen Saturday afternoon. He look when when opportunities present themselves, you have to hit them in the playoffs. You're not going to be able to get away with. You know, oh, I missed that touchdown throw in the first quarter because, you know, everybody's obviously very good. That Bills team's going to be on the road. He needs to to really play the best football of his life. And you know what? He, he's had a good season and he's capable of it. Yeah. 
Uh, Frank Schwab joining us from Yahoo Sports right here on 97.5, 1280 The Zone. Uh, when the Patriots lost to the Dolphins, it kind of felt like, and I know people every time the Patriots lose, like, okay, here it is, the beginning of the end. But that one just kind of felt like it to a certain extent, where you a game that they knew they needed to win to hold on to that two spot, and they lose it, and now they're playing on uh, the wild card weekend. That just seems like a very unpatriots game to lose. I mean, it's shocking, really. Uh, Seventeen point favorites, like you said. I mean, it's it's just not a game they lose a lot on the line, and you wonder. Now, I mean, look, everybody's writing out the Patriots. Everybody thinks this is the end, and you know, maybe the Titans beat them on Saturday night, and maybe they do. They're a pretty good football team themselves. But how many times have we been down this road? You know, how many times? Do we have to get sucked into this whole, hey, it's over for the Patriots, that's it, show's over, and then they go on a run in the playoffs. So still Bill Belichick, it's still Tom Brady. They're they're gonna, you know, they're gonna be there on Saturday night. I am very fascinated. Look, they they might lose and we kind of look at that as maybe the beginning of the end of this long, long, long dynasty, but I'm not willing to kinda cross them off yet because we've just we've just seen this happen so many times. Uh, how much drama do you think there will be in the off season whenever it happens there in New England? I don't know. I, I mean, we we kind of think that every year, right? Like yeah. I, again, I hate to you know, keep coming to the same answer, but it's like every year it's like, oh, you know, they pretty Belichick. They don't like each other anymore, and then they go on and win another Super Bowl. Yeah, so fair enough. I don't know. I, I I just I just have a hard time wrapping my head around the, the idea of Tom Brady going somewhere else. Like why? Like. He's got to know. You know, he's a smart guy. He knows what happened. You know, Johnny Unitas with the with the Chargers and, and Joe Namath with the Rams and on and on and on. I just don't know that a 43 year old guy reinvents himself with a new team, even though great Tom Brady is. I just I can see a lot more bad happening than good in that scenario. So I, I don't know. I, I just kind of assume that it's going to stay status quo somehow. But look, it's at least possible that this Tom Brady's you know last home game on Saturday night. The San Francisco 49ers, and I know that there's some, there was some uh, plenty of controversy at the end of this game, but still the 49ers going into Seattle and winning in Seattle last week of the season to secure home field advantage and force the Seahawks to play, uh, go through the wild card route was extremely impressive. Uh, just how, uh, how, much, how much faith do you have in the uh, 49ers holding on to home field and uh, representing the NFC? Yeah, and it's, it wasn't, you know, there was controversy at the end, but if you watch the whole game, and a lot of people did, you know that the 49ers outplayed them. Yeah. They really did. Like, Russell, hey, Russell Wilson's a phenomenal, phenomenal football player, and you knew he was going to, you know, not go down without a fight. And he, he really rallied them at the end and credit to him. But if you watch that game from kickoff to, to the final gun, you know the 49ers were a better team. I was very impressed. You know, I, I just think the, the NFC is really tough this year. It's, Look, all six teams are capable. Even the, even the Eagles. I, I know they're banged up and they've been disappointing, but you know what? They they still do have a lot of talent. I think that you know when you talk about the Forty ers and whether they can make a Super Bowl, yes, they, they're definitely they definitely can. They put themselves in that position. They're one of the best teams in the NFC. But just the NFC is so deep and loaded this year that it's going to be tough for them, no matter who they play. It's going to be tough for them to win two straight games. It really will. And and I don't think it would take away from anything they've done this season it would just be hey you, you lost to the saints and there's championship game weekend you know it's I, I i wouldn't downgrade them at all for anything if they lost before the super bowl it's just the NFC is really really tough this year and, and, and they're one of the reasons it's tough there's they're, they're a really deep field do you trust kirk cousins in the playoffs going to new orleans 
Uh, no, not really. I mean, honestly, but I, I don't think, I also don't think that they're going to win or lose because of Kirk Cousins, really. Like, I think it's, we get too caught up in that. It's it's a still team game. It's still, hey, you know what? They need Dalvin Cook to be the guy he was the first half of the season. And they need their, their cornerbacks to guard, so they need Xavier Rhodes to come back and look like he's a pro bowler, not the guy he, he's been a lot of the season. They need to get a pass rush on Drew Brees. And why do you think Kirk Cousins have no control over? Now, he has to play well. Yeah, there, there's no doubt. I mean, to pull out an upset like that, you need, to, you need a quarterback playing well. And I'm not sure I'd necessarily trust him this time, but Kirk has had a great season. He really has. And it's it just kind of, you know, he's been paid a lot, so whatever. You can't feel too sorry for him, but it stinks a little bit for him that he does have a, a very, very good season. Like, go look at his numbers compared to Aaron Rodgers. Better quarterback all season. But this narrative just keeps dogging him, and, and it's going to be, and it will, until he wins, you know, maybe multiple playoff games. It's just one of those things that's kind of stuck to him. You know, defenses usually find a way to catch up to offenses, and it'll be interesting to see. What happens next year as defenses have a full summer to, to to try to figure out Baltimore and Lamar Jackson? But this kid has just been so much fun and so special to watch all year long. How much faith do you have in, in the number one seed in the AFC side? I mean, they're, they're a fantastic football team. They really are. I wrote about this my power rankings post on Tuesday just saying, now, hey, most people view the Ravens as, oh, they're good. They're, they're a good football team. No, they're they're on the verge with three more wins, but be considered one of the great football teams of all time. Yeah. Like if you look at any one of those numbers, you want to pull up any stat you want, they rank favorably with some of the iconic teams of all time. Not, you know, yeah, they got to win three games, and that's some gimme. But I, I, this team is, is well-coached, good on special teams, obviously good on defense. The offense is just fantastic. I mean, there's, just, there's no magic answer for this. You're, when your quarterback is that good of a runner, you're playing 11-on-11, and at some point, one of your your free defender is going to have to stop Lamar Jackson in the open field. And good luck, yeah. because he is he's the best runner on the field. He's the best running quarterback we've ever seen. He's he's really really good. So and he can throw the ball too. Obviously, he's going to win MVP. It's they're a very very good football team. I do think the Kansas City Chiefs are playing good football and, and can beat them in a one game scenario. I don't know that the Chiefs are necessarily the better team, but. I think the Chiefs are the one team that I look at and say, yeah, they, they can give them a run. They, they really can. So I, I hope we get that matchup championship weekend. But the, the, look, the Ravens are, are as good as any team we've seen in a really long time. They, if they do win the Super Bowl, they're going to be, have to be considered one of the top 20, 25 teams of all time. It's, it's really, really a solid team. It's going to be fun to watch Lamar in the playoffs. Frank Schwab joining us here from Yahoo Sports, 97.5, 1280 The Zone and the Zone Sports Network. Now, look, Dallas likes to, you know, get drama out of every little decision it makes, but stretching this decision on Jason Garrett for four or five days seemed a little excessive. Uh, what did you think about the Jerry Jones process here, and, and where did they go going forward? Yeah, I don't even – I don't know what the point of any of this is. I mean, even right now, like, I mean, there's been no official word, right? Like, it's – it's still kind of hanging yeah, out there. I, I don't, I, I don't know. I don't know what's going on. I don't know why they think this is the right way to go. I don't know why Jason Garrett's on board with this. You know, I mean, what, wouldn't he want to move on? Wouldn't he want to be? Hey, at least put my name out there for the Cleveland job or whatever job they're open. Uh, you know, I, I don't know. I just find this whole situation weird, oddly handled. I think it's it's really not good for either side. I, I just don't know. I don't think there's any chance Gary Gare comes back or anything, but I don't know. I, the whole situation's just been kind of madness. And where do they go next? Probably the biggest name they can because it's Jerry Jones. I, I don't know this whole Urban Meyer thing works. I really don't. I, 
Urban was a good college coach for sure. That doesn't always work out. I, I don't know. I, it just seems like a Jerry splashy hire instead of the right hire. I, I don't know. I, I'm really interested to see what they do because he has the money to bring in anybody he wants. That's still a good job, especially to see you have to assume they're going to resign back Prescott. I, I'm, I'm interested to see what happens because that is a good job. It's, it's a tough job. It's a stressful job, but it is a good job because Jerry's always going to want to win and spend money for it. It's it's going to be it's going to be interesting, and hopefully the hiring process goes a little more smoothly than this past week for them. You know, there's been uh, there's been a lot of coaches that have gone through Washington, some of the Hall of Fame, you know, caliber and Gibbs and Shanahan that mm-hmm. couldn't rise above the muck there in Washington. Is Ron Rivera the same, or is he the one guy that's going to pull him out a bit? Yeah, and not just those. I mean, it's you know, like you said Shanahan and Gibbs, and what about Marty Schottenheimer? Yes, great what point. About uh, whatever we want to say about Steve Spurrier as an NFL coach, he was one of the greatest college coaches of all time. I mean, he failed there. It's it's just a cesspool. It's it's terrible and. I got you know to to believe that all of a sudden Daniel Snyder is willing to like let Ron Rivera or anybody kind of run the show and get things right and instill a better culture and all that kind of stuff. That's great on paper. That's great during a job interview. That's great when Ron Rivera asks him and he says that. I want to see what's going to happen in you know mid March, right? Like when when free agency starts. I want to see what's going to happen in the middle of the season when they're you know three and five or something like that. It's it's just hard for me to believe that Daniel Snyder is really willing to. Let, kind of ease back and let somebody else run his team. He's just never been that way. That the team is, and it's not a good football team, really. They got to do have some young guys, but it's not a team that's ready made to compete. It's it's going to take a while for them. So I don't know. I, I think Ron should have stuck it out for a better job. To be honest, I like Ron over. I think he's a good coach. I, I I think that you know he doesn't get the credit he deserves for what he did in Carolina, and I really think that. In a better situation, he was going to have a good second chapter. But now it's like, well, look at those names we just rattled off. Those are some all-time, some of the all-time winningest coaches, Super Bowl winning coaches, whatever. None of them came out of there with a winning record. And I don't know why I think Ron Rivera is going to rise above that because <laughs> Daniel Snyder is still the owner. Yeah, there was a uh, there was a quote from I think it was Greg Allman, uh, the uh, the singer and and uh, from the Allman Brothers, who said uh, after his fourth divorce, he said, "I started to think maybe the problem was me." And uh, <laughs> and it might be the same thing with Daniel Snyder. Hey, uh, just because I know you're 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 kind of associated, or you kind of hang out in that area a little bit, and I'm a fan, so uh, so pardon me this, but is Drew Locke? Uh, are we getting him fitted for a Hall of Fame jacket here pretty soon? Oh my goodness, the people have <laughs> in Denver, and the people here just can't believe. Like, I mean, you the hype is going to be crazy for him by September. I think he played really well down the stretch. I think he does have a lot of promise. He did some things that I was surprised at that I didn't know he could do. And I think he's he's finally stopped the merry-go-round for at least one off season. Now, this is their guy right now. They're, they they commit, you know they they have committed to him. They should have committed to him. There's no question. You got to give him a full year now. I don't know if that necessarily means he's Patrick Mahomes too. I I just think that he you know you got to give him a chance. See what happens. He's he's given this this fan base some hope that they really haven't had since the Peyton era. We'll see, though. It's, it's, it's at least looking up at some excitement where there really has been in the last couple of years for the Broncos. Yeah. Frank, appreciate your time, man. Thanks for joining us on short notice, and uh, look forward to catching up again soon. Yep, no doubt. Frank Schwab, Yahoo Sports, right here on 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. You can follow him on Twitter at Yahoo Schwab. There you go, Frank Schwab with uh, Scott Gerard. A lot of great things there on the entire picture of the NFL playoffs. My favorite playoffs in sports is the NFL. Well, I think the NFL's got things figured out because you see teams go from 
it's not worse, but from non-playoff to playoff teams year in and year out, the parity that exists in the NFL is unparalleled. I understand that the Patriots have kind of been the outlier in, with regards to all of that because of their extended run over the past two decades, but it, it is fun to see teams. Because if you're a fan of an NFL team, Adrian, you have legit hope every year that your team can turn it around potentially and make the playoffs. Yeah. Because with the salary cap, how it's set up, with how the draft can be an impact. Just find that quarterback yeah, and exactly. you're good to go. So it, it's fun that way. It gives teams hope. Because let's you for an example, I'm a Seattle Mariners fan in baseball. Seattle Mariners have the longest streak in pro sports of making the playoffs. And guess what? It ain't going to stop for the next five to six years. Whereas the San Francisco 49ers just a couple years ago were an afterthought, and all of a sudden now they're the top seed in the NFC. Mm-hmm. It can change so quickly in the NFL. I love the structure that they have in it, and the playoffs, you're right, is the best playoff setup in pro sports. Yeah, the downside of baseball is that a great player does not really make a difference. No, you have to have multiples, yes. Yeah, and in the NFL and basketball, obviously, but in the NFL you get a couple of really good players, mm-hmm. and your forces can change, and uh, – there's a lot of places to find talent. So, yeah, I, I love the structure, and new teams get in all the time, sometimes old teams. I like this year, the quarterbacks. You've got a lot of the old guard. You've got a lot of the young guns, Correct. the up-and-comers. Yeah. I really like that part of it. By the way, what quarterback would you take? That's in, in terms the playoffs. Overall? Uh, so, Brian asked the question earlier about which quarterback do we need for one game. I'd take Russell Wilson. Overall, in this year's playoffs, ooh, that's a great question, but I'm going to go with Drew Brees. I, I think Drew, I, I understand he's on the downside of his career and whatnot. Absolutely, you can see it. He's going to be done before too long. But right now, he's playing at an extremely high level. He set all those records passing-wise. I'm not a Tom Brady guy. It's just not my, he's just not my guy. Yeah, um, yeah. based on just this year, I might take Lamar and Drew Brees. They're well, both Lamar's been lights out, too. If you, yeah. if you just count this year. But if you want to add experience into it, which I think you should, you might want to go with Drew Brees. Well, see, the funny thing is I, I love this. And he's been playing fabulous. So. so, okay, of course, there's been that all that ish, all those issues in Jacksonville. Obviously, they've been cleaning house. Tom Coughlin's out, and Doug Marone might be on his way out as well. Did you hear that whole story about there was one person in Jacksonville who was sold on Lamar Jackson and – the one person was Tom Coughlin. Everybody else in Jacksonville laughed him out of the building, essentially. And then he got he got he forced goes to out Bal- of there. He goes to Baltimore, and he's doing what he's doing. Yep, and then Tom Coughlin gets forced out of there, too. Yeah, so it's just – it's it's crazy, but it's how it goes. If you get a good quarterback in this day and age in the NFL, it's a franchise yep, changer. Definitely. All right, coming up on the other side, Jake, you wanted to get back into mm-hmm. uh, Utah, uh, University of Utah football. Yep, and uh, we'll get we'll get back into that conversation. How they ended the year, what went wrong, as they wrapped up the season with two straight losses, second year in a row where they've dropped their bowl game uh, for a team that ne- seemingly never loses bowl yeah, games. It's so, true. Yeah, uh, second year in a row where they've lost that game and the Pac-12 title game. So, uh, interesting times ahead for the Utes. Although I think we all believe that they're going to be just fine, and we'll get yeah. into that. That's uh, that and more coming up next here on the Saturday Show on the Zone Sports Network. At Utah State University, students and professors have worked with NASA to send hundreds of plant experiments into outer space. Today, they are creating a hydroponic system designed to grow plants in artificial mediums. Its goal, make plant life possible on Mars. I'm an Aggie. I grow plants in space.
Welcome back to the Saturday show. Final half hour of the program here on the Saturday, Adrian. We wondered how we were going to fill up three hours after only doing 30 minutes last week. We did it. We've done it somehow, and it's been fun. We had a lot of good conversations so far. Update for you guys if you're wondering about the NFL game. Buffalo currently leading Houston 10-0. In the second quarter. Yeah, Houston's getting nothing going offensively. Well, look at this offensive line. The O-line line. has just been a disaster. Like, Deshaun Watson is like, he'll be lucky if he's not injured in this game. <laughs> I know, they're, for real. They're going. So, not a great look for I Houston so it, far. Uh, I forgot Ed Oliver ended up in Buffalo. He's yeah. been having a really nice year as a rookie. Ed Oliver's actually, I love watching that kid play. He's, I know that he took a bad rap for his late stages of his career there at Houston, but kid can play ball. Mm-hmm. There's no doubt about that. All right, um... Wanted to get back into a conversation we started in the 2 o'clock hour, Adrian, talking and kind of putting a bow on the Utah football season. This is a season that had so much promise to it. For as close as Utah came to the college football playoff, and we were essentially looking at you win one more game, obviously the Pac-12 title game over Oregon, mm-hmm. and you might find yourself in the college football playoff. But all of a sudden, three weeks later it feels like, all of the luster of that season has been lost after back-to-back losses. Yeah, and you know the way you dropped out of even the – I mean, you can blame Oregon a little bit by saying, why did you lose that ASU game? Because all of a sudden, if they lose to Oregon anyway and you're playing in a Rose Bowl – Yeah, things, you won the Rose Bowl. Yeah, things feel okay. Uh-huh. But Oregon loses that game to Arizona State and then just, you know, just demolishes Utah – all of a sudden, they're out of the New Year's Six, and they're playing in the Alamo Bowl. Mm-hmm. And you go, oh, I got a pretty good opponent against in Texas. And then all of a sudden, you get boat race there, too. And, yeah, that's certainly the sheen uh, got just totally faded really quickly in a matter of a couple weeks. It did, absolutely. And I, So, Brian's producing force today, obviously covers the Utes for Ute Zone. And, Brian, I don't know if I've seen a, a fan base go from the high of highs it felt like Utah fans had the week leading up to that Pac-12 championship game to the low that it is right now after back-to-back losses against Oregon and Texas. Would you agree with that? Oh, 100%. It was like almost fan suicide levels where people are like, oh, the program is never going to reach the top. This is as good as we'll ever be. And, you know, I, I think that's – Typical of fans, right? Yeah, it's, it's short for fanatic, obviously. Right, yeah. and and you ride those highs, and, and things are great, and you go from being in the conversation from the college football playoff mm-hmm. to two weeks later just being an all-surround going to the Alamo Bowl and then on top of that having a really poor showing, and yeah. it just was compounded up, upon it. And, you know, I think, like, the holiday season, too, where you're just kind of, you know, either bored, sitting at home, and so you're looking for something to do. Maybe that impacts it, too, but it's just – it, it, it's such. It was such a weird ride because they lost in, in, to Oregon. Then all of a sudden, next week it was early signing day, and they had this tremendous yes. class. Uh-huh. Land mm. of the top five prospect out of California and Clark Phillips. Mm-hmm. And then it was okay. Well, this momentum's back. And then it was, yep. you know, basketball beat Kentucky. <laughs> like things started happening. And it was yeah. like okay, and then you just went right back to zero. So well, and let's put it this way: Utah, there are not in a bad spot as a program right now. They're going to graduate a lot of talent. As many as eight guys on that defense are going to be NFL guys and could be drafted eight guys. That's that's how good of a defense that they fielded this year. It's just stunning to me to have seen Utah collapse in the manner that they collapsed because I'm a longtime resident of the state of Utah. I was born and raised here. I've seen Kyle Whittingham build this program into being – one of, if not the most physical team I felt like in on the West Coast, if not the country. They just 
simply manhandled and out-physicaled a lot of teams. And to see them in back-to-back games have that fall flat and have them seemingly get out-physicaled, I, it's, it's kind of stunning to me. And it makes me think that there might be something deeper, if that makes sense. This is not just an isolated incident. And I hope, it, I hope they're able to rectify it. That's, that's the biggest thing. I think they will, but they got to find out whatever was affecting that. Be honest, you love watching this happen. <laughs> no, I don't actually, because you guys know that it's good for us when teams win. Yeah, yeah. I, I think one thing too. The hard part is that Utah's not the kind of program like an Oregon or some of these other top teams that just reloads right away. This it's tougher to reload here. Yeah, this season was a four-year process. Mm-hmm. This is why Tyler Huntley was started as a sophomore. You know, this is this season is kind of they built all these guys. They came back for their senior years. And I think it's going to be another one of those cycles. Maybe in four years from now, Utah's looking at another top whatever team. But I would not expect them to be in the top ten next season because they're going to be bringing a lot of guys along. You're going to have a new quarterback. You know, you're not, you're losing your all-time rusher. Mm-hmm. You're losing all those guys in the D line like you talk about. And I think they're going to be good next year. I would expect them. You know, eight win season, eight nine win season. But it isn't going to be like the conversation that you got this year. And as a yeah. fan. You could be like, oh, man, this was our chance. Like, as a fan of this team, you're thinking, gosh, this was our chance. And uh, you lose that Pac-12 title game. And I, I think that showed, like, wa- just watching Thibodeau play as a freshman, I'm thinking, whoa. <laughs> yeah. That's a freshman. You. That is yeah. a freshman. Kayvon and, Thibodeau and there at Oregon, you, yeah. Like, Utah doesn't really – I don't know if they've got anybody like that coming up. Coming up, And you just think, man, that's a freshman right there. Look at what the kind of guys that Oregon can bring in. And then Utah has this, you know, they're a, they're a cycle, you know. They are, they're not quite the team that Brian mentioned. They're still building depth, and they're this far into uh, their Pac-12 lives. Yeah. So uh, it's going to be, I think, another few years before it's something spectacular again on the Hill, and maybe that's part of the letdown is that it's like, oh, we did it. We put this together. We, over, we got over that loss to USC mm-hmm. that we probably shouldn't have dropped and just, you know, just – well, it, it, it was a payoff year, it felt like. Yeah. It felt like, you're right, they, they had built and built and built and built. USC was kind of the big dog that was really an impediment for Utah. And you felt like, okay, this is the year Utah can, scra- can skate past that. They, they had everything set for them. They had so many different things break their way as well in the lead-up to that Pac-12 title game. Mm-hmm. They had so many different things. And I felt like, yeah, it was a payoff year that no that didn't fully – get realized because you don't throw back an 11 win season you don't do no. that in college football especially at the power five level you don't throw that back but if so pk and i were discussing this um was it tuesday yeah tuesday morning we were talking about the fact and this was in the lead up to this game to the alamo bowl we were talking about the fact okay if utah if they lose this game against texas versus if they win this game where does your letter grade go and pk he had an a minus regardless of the outcome and I, I've been meaning to ask him if it changed in the manner that they lost the Alamo Bowl. Does that make sense? Because they, they got smoked by, pretty yep. good in that, in that game. I told him my, my grade for this, if they were to win the game, I would stick it at, at probably an A, A-. minus. That was according to where I ranged. I said if they lost the game, I'd stick it at a B plus. I think the manner that Utah lost that game, though, drops me to a B for, B, for Utah on their season. And I know that <laughs> – Call it what it will. If it sounds like me being harsh on it, I just feel like the late game, late season lull that they had in those back to back losses, it took so much luster off what could have been just one of those years that you look back on forever and say, 
It's 2008. It's 2004. Yeah, it was it was an A season until the end. Yeah. And then you ne- that last test, you know, in school, that last test could knock you down a full letter grade. And I put them around a B plus. Yeah. You know, fantastic season. Yeah. By the Ute standards, fantastic. But when it when it came down to that, it it, it was hard to watch them just go. I, I just kept thinking in the organ. I was like, not like this, man. <laughs> yeah. Like, like, no, like, don't, don't go down like this. And then the Alamo Bowl, I was like, geez, Louise. Like that, it totally. I think they got beat by Oregon twice. Not really prepared, maybe not as uh, into it to play Texas. It's hard, you know, bowl games. It's hard to really judge a team and a bowl game. Mm-hmm. But the Utes, they had a lot of their guys. It's a good time to test your depth, and it just oh, yeah. they didn't play well. Jalen Johnson was the one person who was not playing the game. Of course, Julian Blackman was missed, but that's a season-ending injury. There's nothing you can control it with regards to that. Jalen Johnson decided, you know what, I'm going to go get ready for the NFL. Yeah. But everybody else essentially was at, for, mm-hmm. up there for that game. The talk leading up to the game was that, hey, we're motivated, we're ready to go. But I think one of the more telling comments in the post game was Tyler Huntley, saying that we treated this kind of as a vacation. Mm-hmm. Like, we didn't – and – it's tough to stomach as a fan because you yeah. you'd like to think that these are young men that are locked in 24-7, that just They live and breathe football. But at times, they can get distracted. Honestly, they can. Mm-hmm. And, and that's the tough part to stomach because I feel like 2019 was on track to be looked at as the 2000, on the level of 2004-2008. Look, at some we were of talking old, about this might be the best team in the history of the school. In history in the state. Yeah. We yeah. talked about that as well. Yeah. And now it feels like this is just going to be another season. You're like, oh, yeah, that was a, they had, came really close, but it's just not going to be talked about the same way that it could have been. And one thing that I found interesting is a lot of people say, oh, we shouldn't have believed the hype, maybe. I, I don't know if I dis- – I think I kind of disagree with that because I think the hype was there because it was earned. Yeah, it was. And I think they played – now, they did beat up on some bad teams, but I think they kind of earned their hype. And I don't think losing badly means that the hype wasn't real. Yeah. I think the hype was 100% real. So, I, I, I agree with you in that regard because you don't uh, – the Power 5 level in particular in, in college football, there are athletes up and down the board. I think this year in the early early signing period of National Signing Day, only one non-Power 5 team had more than one um, blue-chip signee, signee on, in, in their school, yeah. and that was Cincinnati, which is one of the better teams in the G5 level. Mm-hmm. The Power 5 level is getting the best talent – Hands down, and every any given week, you're going to face off against athletes that are very, very good. Granted, Utah, when you face a team like USC, uh, Oregon, etc., they've got more of that talent right. on their rosters. It's just you look at this, and I, I think ultimately the Utah season for me, this is just my looking at it. It had the potential to be looked at as one of the all timers, and now it just feels like almost like an also rank. Yeah, it's just another season. I think this sure. is a big part about going through the levels of growing into a big. Time program in the Pac-12 yeah. where yeah. you started out and it was five and seven, five and seven. Mm-hmm. Okay, we just got to get bowl eligible, and then you know, 2015, 2016, it was like, okay, we want to get to ten wins, we want to win the South. Now you've done that twice, and so now you're going to have more of these seasons where it's going to feel like something special could happen and it yeah. just could all fall out or it could go through. That's all part of the cycle, and and you know, you look at a program like Alabama by comparison. They missed the playoffs this year, yeah. you know, and and so I think it's it happens to everybody. But with Utah and Utah fans mm-hmm. specifically, 
they've come through in the clutch in 2004, 2008. Correct. And so it feels like anytime there's a big year, it's just going to happen magically. Well, right? they, they've they've done it in the past. They've come yep. through on that, and that and I think that's the one thing that it's going to stick in Utah fans' craw here with regards to this season in particular is that it was right there. Mm-hmm. You you could almost taste it. It was just just reach out and grab yep. it. And they couldn't. The other thing I don't I, – I, I just thought about this, yeah. but it, those seniors came back specifically to win the Pac-12. Correct. That was the big thing. And now they've failed at it twice. Mm-hmm. I think it maybe it's it's tougher than we can conceptualize to overcome that and go beat Texas in a bowl game. Yeah, maybe. And there's just – the other part of it, too, it, bowl games are fun and whatnot, and you get gifts and everything – there's really not a lot of motivation from a player's perspective mm-hmm. to go out there and, and, and give it your all, so to speak, especially if you've just had two, you know, well, and two weeks of really depressing. Yeah. And let's acknowledge one thing here. Utah went into a game where they were talked about as you're going up against a 7-5 and five team. Yeah. And this has kind of been the Utah season by and large. They faced a lot of 6-7 win teams. That's what they faced all year. And eventually you're just like, okay, well, great. But – Texas is might be the most talented seven and five team this year that Utah could have faced in a bowl. Uh-huh. Yeah, game. that's. I mean, talent was still out there for Texas. Like it's not it like talent just magically disappeared. I, I think you nailed it with the fact that they were just barraged by injuries middle of the season, and it just showed up there at the end. Yeah, they came back. They were healthy, and obviously Texas was motivated. They're seven and five, obviously, and this is a program that aspires to win the national championship year in and year out. They haven't done it for go over a decade at this point, where they haven't been nationally nationally relevant, mm-hmm. and they want to get back there. They obviously had. I think they they wanted to go out there and guess what? We're not as bad as this record is. Yeah, like we we are a better team than this, and they hung with LSU for yeah. And Three quarters. I'll tip my cap to Tom Herman because he's replacing coordinator after coordinator this uh, during this run up to this bowl game, and that team looked as polished as I, I've seen a team going into a bowl game in some time. And I, I, I do like your point though, there, Brian. Is it can be tough? Absolutely, you have that disappointment of you were so close to winning it all, which you had publicly stated was the reason you came back to this school to play your senior year, and to see that taken away from you for the second straight year. Yeah, there I. I fully endorse the fact that there's probably some motivation lacking going in ultimately to that Alamo Bowl. Totally agree. All right. Anyways, I just I, I look at the Utah season. I just feel like okay, interesting football season yeah. for Utah, BYU, well, and Utah all of them. State, yeah. All of them. All three of them lose their bowl yeah. games now. There's question marks abounding for all three as we enter into the off season here because there's only one quarterback who is, in theory going to retain his spot, speaking of Zach Wilson at BYU, but there might be a competition there. Both of Utah and Utah State have to replace quarterbacks. Mm-hmm. Offseason's got a lot of storylines totally. going into it. All right, uh, coming up on the other side, we will wrap up the Saturday show and make way for uh, Utah Jazz pregame with Jake Scott and uh, Gordy Chiesa. That's all coming up next here on the Saturday show. And Brian Brown, coming up next, we'll make way for Jazz pregame with Jake Scott and Coach Gordy Chiesa, so get you ready for the Jazz and the Orlando Magic. Jake, one score in the books today. Okay. How about this score? Memphis Grizzlies 140, LA Clippers 114. Hold on, what? Yeah, they blasted them. Jay Crowder had his uh, Jay Crowder night, 6 of 11 from downtown, plus 39 and okay. 27 points. <laughs> right. And uh, John Morant at 22. And uh, Kawhi Leonard with 24. But uh, yeah, they blew out the uh, blew out the Clippers. Wow. Montrezl Harrell, 28 points off the bench for the Clippers, though. 
I like Montrez Harrell yeah. as a player. He's just one of my guys I enjoy. Oh, he watching. was a he was a big big missing piece for the Clippers when the Jazz played them, and the Jazz were able to take advantage. Yeah, because once Zubats went down or went out, it was free reign. <laughs> oh, yeah, so yeah, yeah uh, right. interesting score today already. Yeah. Uh, later on, the Raptors play the Nets, Thunder, Cavs, Pacers, Hawks, Celtics, Bulls, Nuggets, Wizards, Pistons, Warriors, Spurs, Bucks, Hornets, Mavericks, and Pelicans, Kings. Big night in the NBA. Yeah, a lot of games tonight, yeah. so we'll have plenty to talk about it tonight you know, on the pre-half and post-game shows for sure. Oh, yes, always. We'll have a fun NBA jump around during the second quarter. Stay tuned. Commercial free on the Utah Jazz Radio Network. Uh, also, uh, the Bills up 10-0 uh, on the Houston Texans. Before we wrap up, Jake, what are you looking for tonight in the, the Jazz taking on the Orlando Magic before we let the experts take over? <laughs> Just my amateur opinions. I want to see which of these two defenses steps up. Jonathan Isaac being out for Orlando big blow for them yes. but this is still a team they went and beat the Miami Heat it was the only teams that beaten the Jazz in the last 10 games mm-hmm. they beat them by 20 last night so Lando's got talent and it's just a matter of pulling it all together down there when it comes to the Magic they're playing at home obviously which is always a boon in the NBA I just look at this if the Jazz defense travels like it has recently I think they should handle this one yeah the Jazz 9-9 nine and nine on the road this season so looking to get back over 500 uh, on the day I'm 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 watching the guards tonight for the Magic, uh, specifically DJ Augustine off the bench. Uh, would you count um, Fournier? The, Fournier is a guard, probably small He's forward, a wingman. Yeah. Small, Any more in this day and age of the NBA is Jake sitting in here as well. It's become just a positionless game. It's yeah. it, you play basketball. <laughs> yeah, but I, I like the pieces that Orlando has, and I, you know, I think Clifford's a good coach and. I don't really think Aaron Gordon is necessarily turned into a very good player, but Nikola Vucevic is great. Terrence Ross can score a lot. Uh, you mentioned without their, without Jonathan Isaac, that's a big deal. Uh, but Markel Fultz played well against the Jazz. A lot of these guys played well against the Jazz a couple weeks ago, mm-hmm. and they very nearly beat the team, beat the Jazz, who led most of the game. All of a sudden, the Magic were up by, I want to say six, seven points, and. Uh, then the Jazz had to fight back and win that game. The recruit, the career resurgence of Markel Fultz is a cool story because he's the former number one overall pick. Lost his game essentially. He couldn't shoot. He lost, he lost like he <laughs> forgot how to like I, yeah use his body. It but, almost seemed like uh, Jake was talking in the post game the other day about how he used to when he was in the the heights of his yips. I guess you could call it. Mm-hmm. He would go to the free throw line and just throw the ball back and forth in his hands and then throw it at the rim <laughs> and hope that it would go in. Like Stunning. there's that most bizarre one of the most bizarre things I can remember yeah. from a professional athlete. But to see him kind of getting back on the yeah. court, regaining his ability to play basketball because we're seeing we're seeing flashes of what made him the number one overall pick. He's nowhere near what he was coming out of college, out of Washington, if I'm not mistaken. Yep. And I think that it's a cool story to see his career kind of coming back around finally after because he legitimately lost every facet of his game, it felt yep. like. And was drafted to the Sixers, right? And mm-hmm. when they were doing their – it was he was supposed to be the last piece in the trust the process. <laughs> the process, baby. And uh, it didn't quite work out that way. But it's good to see – you know, sometimes it takes that second team in the NBA to really take off. Yeah. And it might be might be in Orlando for them. And so that's a – it'll be a fun one tonight. I think the Jazz will win. But I think the ma- Magic are better than um, some people give them credit for. So they are, and especially after the tussle the Jazz had with the Bulls. I think this correct. Magic team is better than Chicago. And Orlando's one of the teams that just us here in Utah, it's so far away from us being in in Florida that mm-hmm. we don't pay a ton of attention to what is going on with the Magic by and large. But there's there's pieces on that team that you just look at and you think, okay, 
These guys can play ball. Yep, they're eighth in the East right now, uh, sixteen and nineteen on the season, uh, tied with Brooklyn in the win column. You know, the if the playoffs started today, they would get yeah. blasted by the Bucks. But remember, last year in the playoffs, they had a pretty good. Uh, they had the most competitive. They had a pretty good series yeah. with the was it with the Raptors to start that. I believe you are correct. And they had a pretty good series to. I mean, they ended up winning a game. I think on the road. I'd have to go back and look. Is that correct? Yeah, they did. They went on and won a game in Toronto, and uh, so that's a pretty good team. Uh, and the Jazz right now six in the six in the West, tied with the Mavericks, looking to get up to fifth. With the Clippers losing, all of a sudden there's all these winnable games for the Jazz where things can kind of tip into being a top four team in the Western Conference right before they hit that stretch we talked about at the end of January, early February. That is a monster for the Jazz. Well, and the thing right now with the Jazz, because it seems like these top six teams in the West, they're all kind of keeping pace with one another. Well, if you're if you're, if you're you're Utah, you just got to keep winning mm-hmm. because it doesn't show Dallas hasn't shown that they're going to fall off. You're not seeing Houston falling off. These teams continue to win games. If you want to just stay in that pack and stay in the hunt, yeah, just win these games because we talked about Adrian. End of this month, the gauntlet is right back. Yep, it starts. It'll be tough, so win these games against the lesser opponents. All right, wrapping things up here. Make way for Jake and Gordy Chiesa on the other side. For Brian Brown, Jake Hatch, I'm Adrian Lizer saying goodbye on the Saturday show here on the Zone Sports Network.